Hello and welcome to another episode of Mr. Whiskers Reviews. Today we will be reviewing Goldfinger, the third film in the Bond franchise and my first review of a Sean Connery Bond. After reviewing two films now, two Roger Moore films, and to be honest, two of my lesser favorite movies of the series, it is nice to be getting into what is one of my favorite movies of the James Bond franchise. This movie review is probably going to be more like a gush fest, I must warn you. I think this movie gets it right on almost all accounts. It truly is the prototypical standard flag-waving template of all Bond movies. I just think they got it right. They got it right in a big way. Sean Connery peaks as Bond in his performance. There are just certain standards that come from this movie that are in a lot of the series going forward. Money Penny and her scenes with Bond and their banter back and forth. That starts here. And what do you know about gold money penny? Oh, the only gold I know about is the kind you wear. You know, on the third finger of your left hand. Mm. Well, one of these days we really must look into that. Well, what about tonight? You come around for dinner and I'll cook you a beautiful angel cake. Well, nothing would give me greater pleasure, but unfortunately I do have a business appointment. That's the flimsiest excuse you've ever given me. Oh, well, some girls have all the luck. Who is she, James? She is me, Miss Moneypenny. And kindly omit the customary byplay with 007. He's dining with me. I don't want him to be late. So there's hope for me yet. Moneypenny, won't you ever believe me? Talking with Q and the introduction of gadgets and their banter back and forth. Now, this one I'm particularly keen about. You see the gear leader here? Now, if you take the top off, you'll find a little red button. Whatever you do, don't touch it. Now, why not? Because you'll release this section of the roof and engage and fire the passenger ejector seat. Ejector seat? You're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. This movie is a first for a lot of things. This movie, we see Bond, an extended scene and time with the main villain. Bond was a prisoner throughout a significant portion in this movie. Finally, I will not fail to mention the Ashton Martin Silver DB5 that shows itself throughout the James Bond series, most recently in Spectre at the time of this recording. There's just a lot of things that work for me in this movie. And I can't think of too many other movies that really hit the mark as well as Goldfinger does. So this review is maybe just more of a tribute to how well I think this Bond movie was done more than anything. And then just get some personal insights and thoughts on how I felt and was thinking when re-watching this movie recently. Now let's transition to the main plot of 1964's Goldfinger. Early in the movie we find out that 
Goldfinger is going to be the main interest, the main villain of Bond. They first meet at a Miami Beach hotel that did not end well for Bond, but to be fair, Bond ended up better than the girl who lay dead on the bed, painted in gold after Bond was knocked out. That will teach you to make fun of the Beatles, Sean. My dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done, such as drinking Dom Perignon 53 above a temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. And when Bond reports back to his superiors, they further explain that Goldfinger is doing something illegal and moving around funds, something evil, and we need you to find out that what that is and bargain with Goldfinger with a piece of gold we have and see what you can get out of them. This leads to a golf outing that pairs these two in a competitive game to see who can better each other, not only in the game itself, but through clever wit and deception. Following this game of golf, Bond follows Goldfinger locating Goldfinger's operations, but not before we see Bond's iconic Ashton Martin V5 driving around, being chased by villains with a poor assassination attempt from a girl whose existence was used as a mere plot device to show off Bond's gadgetry, as this will be the only time in the film Bond will have access to his toys. Ends up captured what ends up being the famous laser scene where Bond is on the table, spread eagle. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Only saving himself by the mention of the words Operation Grand Slam. Goldfinger decides it's too much of a risk to let Bond go, not knowing what information he might have shared back with MI6. So Goldfinger decides to take him overseas to America to Goldfinger's Kentucky estate where he breeds horses and lives a life of comfort and luxury. Thus continuing the rich tradition started by Dr. No where Bond's captor, main villain, is in a position to eliminate Bond, never having to worry about him again, and decides not to for whatever precarious reason. This is where we will learn of Goldfinger's plans to detonate a dirty bomb on the Fort Knox gold supply, making that radioactive for decades to come, raising the value of Goldfinger's personal gold supply. Bond has a final showdown with one of the most famous henchmen of the series, Oddjob, defusing the bomb before it goes off, leading Bond to an invitation from the President of the United States to thank him for saving Fort Knox gold supply. Unbeknownst to anyone, Goldfinger was hidden aboard the same aircraft Bond was taking to Washington, D.C., where the two fight until Goldfinger is sucked out the window Bond and Pussy Gore had to crash land into an island to grip with the hard decision of what the two should do together alone on a beautiful island. Now I would like to get into 
in chronological order my thoughts and feelings on various scenes in the movie and how they struck me as I was watching them. Starting with the pre-title sequence, we see a seagull swimming through the water by a pier and quickly realize that it is a decoy that is sitting on top of Bond's head to disguise himself for whatever he is trying to infiltrate. After getting out of the water, Sean Connery pulls out a grapple gun, Adam West Batman style, shoots it on top of a building to pull himself up. And this was when I started to get worried that I had perhaps stepped into another Roger Moore movie simply being helmed by Sean Connery. But my fears were quickly eased as Sean Connery quickly reveals a white tux as he walks into a bar shortly after looking very suave and debonair. Looking nonchalantly as the bomb he just placed goes off elsewhere nearby with everyone panicking and him being so calm and collected. Ah, that is the Sean Connery I know and remember and love. We had a brief scare that I thought this whole movie was going to turn into Moonraker, but alas, we are safe. Please continue with the show. Sean quickly follows us up with one of my favorite lines from the movie when a girl in his room asks him why he carries a gun as he's taking off his tuxedo jacket. I have a slight inferiority complex. The title sequence introduces Shirley Bassey as Mrs. James Bond, or Miss James Bond if you'd like, as one of my favorite theme songs in the series. Just makes me very nostalgic about the kind of big band take on James Bond's theme songs that were apparent more in the 60s than any other decade. This nostalgia took me back to when I performed in pet band in high school and one of the songs we would play in particular for our basketball games was the James Bond theme or the Dr. No theme and that that was just a great feeling because even though I don't play the trumpet anymore that again was a great nostalgic throwback to another memory that has stemmed from James Bond watching. Just anytime you can put horn arrangements in a soundtrack in a James Bond, you, you're going to more than likely win me over. After the title credit sequence, we are descending upon the, a Miami Beach hotel resort where we find Bond. He is with a pretty lady massaging him before he is interrupted with a mission to monitor Goldfinger, who coincidentally just happens to be at the same hotel as Bond currently. Bond discovers Goldfinger is cheating at cards by the pool with a woman who is in his room on the balcony looking through binoculars at his opponent's car hand telling him exactly what he has in his hand so Goldfinger knows exactly what he needs to do to win it. and he's just taking this guy for all his money. Bond gets on the intercom in the guy in the Goldfinger's earpiece and 
blackmails him essentially to losing all the money back to him and then some. And this is a very interesting scene because it's not very often we get introduced with a, a Bond interaction with the villain so early in the film and yet we find out so much about Goldfinger. Goldfinger is very competitive, very ego-driven, and he cares a lot about his self-image because Bond asks the girl, well, what else do you do for Goldfinger besides this? And she says, oh, he pays me just to be seen with him in public and nothing else. And that really signifies and supports how much he cares about his image, that even if he can't attract a, a girl, a beautiful girl, to be around him, naturally he will pay for that privilege of looking powerful or enviable as a front to the outside world. My last takeaway on this sequence was reading up and figuring out that the actor who played Goldfinger was completely dubbed. The actor for Goldfinger could not speak English well enough for his lines in the movie. And if I hadn't read that, I would have never known. I've watched this movie so many times and never knew that. It is barely recognizable in maybe only a few scenes that you can tell this guy was dubbed. My hat's off to the production and sound team for making it sound so natural and effortless. Unlike Honor Majesty's Secret Service when they dubbed over Lazenby's voice. It was brutally obvious then, and that wasn't a good thing. So I said a little bit earlier that Bond meets a girl. A girl who was helping Goldfinger cheat at cards while helping him with his public image. Yes, that girl. Bond sleeps with her. Nothing shocking or out of ordinary with that. However, Sean Connery's remarks that come shortly after was something that Bond series typically doesn't do when it purposely dates itself through a pop culture reference, in this particular case, a Beatles reference. That's just as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. And with that, Sean Connery gets knocked out, and rightfully so by Odd Job, as he was pulling the Don Perignon out of the refrigerator. Some people may say, don't mess with Texas. I say, don't mess with the Beatles. And James Bond found out why you don't mess with the Beatles. Bond wakes up to find the girl laying on the bed, painted gold and dead. The girl being painted in gold furthers the obsession with gold that our main antagonist has with the element AU from the periodic table. Gold, that is. Bond leaves to head back to MI6 headquarters where the template of future interactions with Moneypenny and Q begin. Moneypenny talks about gold and how it's usually involved in marriage proposals. Absolutely wonderful. Dialogue by Lois Maxwell. Then we visit Q's lab to start to see the various demonstrations of items and things they're working on. The iconic Ashton Martin car with its smoke screen, oil slick, bulletproof rear window screen, ejection seat tracking device with built-in radar. Then we move into one of my favorite parts of the movie, golfing between Goldfinger and James Bond. James Bond is set up for a chance encounter with Goldfinger at a country club where he is going to try to bait Goldfinger with some 
Nazi gold he has with him to figure out more about his operations. They work themselves into a competitive match where Goldfinger in his ultra-competitiveness tries to resort to cheating to make sure that he wins this gold bar. Bond ends up outsmarting him, winning the contest. Goldfinger is infuriated and we see an incredible feat of strength from Oddjob as he crushes a golf ball inside of just one hand. This is a great sequence in the movie since we don't see Bond competing against villains in recreational activities a whole lot. The only other occurrence I can think of off the top of my brain is when Roger Moore is doing that dice game in Octopussy and Never Say Never Again when Sean Connery is playing that video game type thing. Golf is such a classic sport and James Bond is a classy guy, so it all works. Later on, Bond is following Goldfinger inside his car after placing a tracking device on Goldfinger's vehicle when an assassin girl gets been heard by Bond's vehicle when he sticks out a spiky thing on the end of his tires, blowing out both of her tires. This girl ends up accidentally trying to shoot Bond later on in the film trying to kill Goldfinger since her sister was the gold-painted girl towards the beginning of the movie. This turns into an eventual chase scene where we see all of the rest of Ashton Martin's gadgets on Bond's vehicle and this is really my biggest negative on the movie outside of one other area. This assassin girl trying to avenge her sister's death was really just a plot device to showcase the Ashton Martin's gadgets because the Ashton Martin was going to go away and not show up again the rest of this movie once Bond was captured at the final conclusion of this chase sequence with Oddjob and his goons. At one point, Oddjob takes off his hat and throws it like a frisbee killing the girl by hitting her in the back of the head and or neck region and it just made me wonder i bet odd job would have been deadly accurate on a frisbee football team after bond is captured we see maybe even the most famous scene of the movie where bond is lying on a table spread eagle with a laser that is threatening to cut him in half again Goldfinger is dubbed really well with his voice in this tension-filled slow burn scene. Pun intended. Bond talks himself out of being carved up by a laser and is taken prisoner by Goldfinger to his Kentucky estate. During the flight over from Europe, we meet the Bond girl of the film named Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore is a pilot who apparently is immune to Bond's charms, at least initially. For the rest of the movie now, Sean Connery is going to wear my favorite Bond suit of the series with his three-piece gray suit that just looks so classy, timeless, and fashionable, in my opinion. At Goldfinger's estate, we discover what Goldfinger's plans are ultimately to be. He is going to detonate a dirty bomb on the Fort Knox gold supply to increase the value of his gold at least 10 times conservatively 
according to his estimations. As far as evil villain plans go, this plan was 15 years in the making and one of the most complete villain plans ever in a Bond movie. A sort of funny moment, but again, in that same moment, proof of James Bond's dangerousness was when Sean Connery had a bunch of guards immediately in his cell watching him with guns pointed at Bond. This was due to the fact that he had escaped earlier and Goldfinger wasn't going to take any more chances with Bond escaping and listening in on his plans. I just thought it was a fun little contrast when Bond originally had one guard protecting him outside his cell to multiple guards in the same cell with guns pointed at him. Bond is looking like he is thinking, Isn't this a little overkill now? My favorite quote of the movie comes from Bond while they're at this Kentucky estate where Bond asks Pussy Galore, You're not in all this capa. Or something close to that anyway. I just like how Sean says capa. Finally at Goldfinger's Kentucky estate comes my last real major criticism of Goldfinger. It is when Bond more or less forces himself on Pussy Galore. It's just an awkward scene and you could make the claim that she was potentially playing hard to get but it just doesn't age well and it just makes me cringe every time I see it regardless. Now we move on to the third and final act of the movie where Operation Grand Slam takes place at Fort Knox where Goldfinger releases some sort of gas through Pussy Galore's airplane crew to put the soldiers asleep. Instantly, the soldiers come in contact with this gas and just fall over in place to comedic effect. And then Goldfinger's crew is trying to get inside this building they're breaking into for the gold. And they are lasering the building. And I just wanted to say that that laser effect looks better or just as good as the man with the golden gun laser, which came almost a decade later. One plot hole I saw was they crack the vault code very easily. I mean, I know that they've been working 10 years on this plan, Goldfinger, but vault code was done in seconds. I mean, this is the most secure place in the United States, apparently, and they figure it out in no time. They decide to tie Bond to this rolling wheels bomb contraption, but they gave him a lot of space to wheel around and cue the cliche Bond escapes to save the day at the last second. So Bond finds the keys to unlock himself from this wheel car and he has to fight Oddjob, which is just great. I love the few times in the movie that Oddjob smiles because Oddjob smiled earlier in the movie with the car chase and he smiles several times, or at least a couple times, in this fight scene at Fort Knox where Bond's just trying to do anything to slow this guy down and Oddjob just easily overpowers him. But eventually Bond finds a way to stop Oddjob. They stop the Bond at 007 time left, which, I mean, that was cool. It's, it's cheesy, but it works. And this bomb, especially the way it looked in the cart, it reminded me of the second 
Naked Gun movie where Leslie Nielsen just trips over the cord to disarm the bomb at the very last second. And, and I don't know why, besides it was a similar looking Bond that it reminded me of that, but I, I love the Naked Gun series, and of course they, they stole stuff from James Bond as well. Bond saves the day, military arrives to wrap up all the Goldfinger henchmen and goons. Plane is sent because the President of the United States wants to thank Bond. We think we're closing out. And the actual finale of the movie happens on the plane where Goldfinger snuck himself on board and he has his golden gun. And they have a quick fight sequence where Goldfinger ends up getting sucked out of the window like Augustus Gloop up the Chocolate River tube and Willy Wonka. That is the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka and frankly the only Willy Wonka worth mentioning. Plane crashes into the island and we have our end credits roll as... Pussy, Galore, and Bond are finding ways to entertain themselves as the film concludes. So let's now wrap up this Goldfinger review with some final thoughts. I obviously, I love this movie. I have very little to critique about it. It is my favorite Bond movie. Sean Connery is my favorite Bond. Really had, you know, just minor quibbles. I, I think the biggest thing that, that bothered me was the James Bond scene where he forced himself on, on Pussy Galore in the barn. But outside of that, there, there really isn't a whole lot. The plot sequencing with how the military was aware Fort Knox attacked. I, I guess you're just supposed to be led to believe that Pussy Glore tipped them off since they didn't get that message that Bond sent because that car, he sent it in, ended up in the junkyard when he, he placed a message on a person who ended up getting killed. But, I mean, these are Bond movies, right? I mean, <laughs> you can't expect them to be perfect. They're, they're fun, they're, they're popcorn viewing type of movies. And I think this is, this is uh, the best one and it's, it's classic James Bond. It's a great watch. It really became the new prototype of future James Bond. I really feel like this is where James Bond hits its stride in the what they call the golden age of Bond. Yeah, there, there's just not enough I can say good about this movie. I essentially love everything about it. And I don't think I have a movie that gets a perfect 10 on 10 for me that, that there is still just a slight elusiveness but this one would be the closest one so I will give Goldfinger nine and a half cat paws out of ten paws total they can be big or little paws it doesn't matter there is nine and a half of them for my rating for this movie highly recommend if you haven't watched any of the Bonds this is a great one to start off with it is always fun watching Sean Connery play James Bond. Never get tired of watching this movie. Definitely give it a watch, a rewatch, whatever. Anyway, this concludes another Mr. Whiskers Reviews episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the other side for the next episode.